morning. Sorry if you're expecting my brother. I'm pinch hitting. 2020. This is a time of year where most of us uh, make New Year's resolutions. Is there anyone who just says, I never make New Year's resolutions? That's beautiful. I feel like I never do it either, but what I really mean is I have a few goals that I know I'm not going to accomplish, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> In my own Bible reading, I have been um, trying to read the book of Joshua. Um, and just It's just a, a great transition for the nation of Israel, where Moses is about to die, they're about to get a new leader, and a lot of change is coming. They are about to enter into a land of promise that God has promised them, and yet there's enemies in the land. And so right off the bat, the land is the picture for the Christian of all the blessings you can enjoy while here on earth. And yet, there's still a lot of fighting to do. We don't just get to go in and and just kind of experience the land. And so that's where I've been, um, and that's where I want to kind of be today. If you'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31... This is Moses, one of his last address, um, addresses to the people. Um, he knows he's about to die. He knows he's not going to go into the land. First of all, just to give you something to chew on, um, it's interesting that Moses probably could never enter the land because he was a picture of the law. Uh, the law could never save us. It should only show us how we're kind of messed up. And so you need a Joshua or a Yahshua to bring you into the land, which we have Jesus. So that's just, there's a lot there. I just wanted to give you something to chew on. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 31, starting in verse 1. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to the Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I command you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Let's look to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, uh, thank you so much that you have promised that you would never leave us, nor forsake us. Thank you so much that you have promised to be kind to us forever. Lord, uh, think of again, thank you so much that you do not change. It says, therefore, we are not consumed. It is the fact that you don't change. The fact that mercy and love are who you are, the fact that we are not consumed, and that regardless of our actions, you will not change. You will forever love us, and you will forever be kind to us. And uh, that's just, uh, it brings joy to our hearts to think about those things. Lord, we pray during this time that your spirit would control me and that your spirit would do a mighty work, that we might actually, uh, you know, have great big changes this year, that 
we would uh, be so much closer to you, that we would sin so much less, that we would grow as an assembly numerically and spiritually, that all these things would bring honor and glory to who you are, that you might be highly exalted in this place and in our own individual lives, that we would really care about your testimony and really care about walking this walk. Lord, again, we need so much help in order to do this, so we pray that you would help us. In your name, amen. So again, New Year's is kind of one of those times where you look and say, hey, what are my goals? What do I want to accomplish? And as I was um, just thinking, for the Israelites here, like I said, they're about to get a new leader, and they're about to go into a land um, filled with just, this is what they've been longing for. This is kind of the goal. They were freed from bondage in Egypt. They've been walking around the wilderness. They've had a generation pass, but this was the ultimate goal. God said, I'm going to give you this land, and I want you to enjoy it. But there is problems there. But there's problems there. And I don't know if you can relate, but you know, if the goals that we set for ourselves were that easy to do, well, life would probably be a lot different, right? I mean, how many of us struggle with actually not accomplishing the goals we set out for ourselves? That's <laughs> typically the way it works. There's some of us that have been wanting to lose weight for about 28 years. Okay? You haven't done it yet. There's some of us that have said, I'm going to you know, not lose my temper anymore, and you just haven't done it yet. Um, there's some of us that have said, I'm going to read my Bible every day, and you haven't done it yet. Okay, And so if the goals were that easy, well, life would be a lot different. But typically, it's, it's a fight. It's a battle. And so why am I saying this? Well, there's a phrase here in Deuteronomy 31, and we're also going to see it in Joshua uh, chapter 1. We're also going to see it somewhere else in Scripture, a phrase that you've heard over and over, um, probably in your Christian walks, and yet today, again, for me, it is simple, and yet um, there's a depth to it. It's complex, even in some ways, the meaning. Here at uh, the end of verse 6 in Deuteronomy chapter 31, he says, He will not leave you, nor forsake you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. The very fact that God has promised, I will not leave you, should be the motivating factor for us accomplishing our goals. They're about to go into the land, and what Moses really wants to stress is, hey, the Lord has said, he will not leave you. You can take that to the bank. Why do they need him so much? Well, they're about to go fight. They're probably a little afraid. They're probably a little discouraged. That's why it says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid. It's so easy to read these stories in the Bible and say, Come on, don't you remember you know, a couple chapters back with the Red Sea and what God has already done? But if you were Israelite, a whole nation of people, your leader, Moses, is about to die. He's not going to go with you. You're going to go into a land that you know is filled with people that want to kill you. And you hear a phrase like, hey, don't worry about it, God's with you. What would that do for your soul? The reason I ask it that way is it should do everything for your soul. And yet in reality, numerous times I want, oh, I'm glad God is with me, and yet what else is going to happen? Like, where's the armies at? Who's got the battle plan? Um, Can I stay back and just wait for the war to be done and then kind of come in later? I'll be the cleanup crew. 
The fact that he has said, I will never leave you, should be life-changing to the Israelites. Life-changing. I will be right there. So let's look into this a little more. They're about to, together, try to accomplish these goals that they've had for so long. To just stop traveling and to dwell in the land and just enjoy it. To basically live. To put their feet down, live in some houses, have the next generation come and just live as a nation. And yet, there is a fight. So here's a few things that's interesting about this passage, about him never leaving us. In verse 3 and verse 8, it says this, The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you. In verse 8, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. Now, does that mess anyone's mind up? How can he go in front of you and yet still be with you? Well, we serve a pretty big God. And so as you plan out maybe some of your spiritual goals, yeah, there's other goals that are nice, but as we talk about 2020 and you have spiritual goals that you want to have accomplished in your life, you've got to remember and you've got to understand that God goes before you. That God is actually going already there. He's already there in your future preparing you for the most success you can have. And yet at the same time, he's with you presently. He will not leave you. He's going to prepare in front of you, and he's at your side. That should be absolutely tremendous for us. An example of this, one of my uh, examples that I just um, respect the Lord so much for, is when uh, Peter's going to mess up. And Jesus says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. The Lord Jesus, about to face the cross, knew that Peter was going to deny him. In fact, he told me he was going to, right? Knew that there'd be a spiritual battle. And that Peter, is funny, there's almost two ways you can look at it. In one way, Peter's faith never lost, because he came back with the Lord later on. But in that moment, he rejected the Lord, right? And so the reason I say those things is, the Lord said, listen, I'm still. I'm going to pray for you. I have already gone before you in this. I've seen that you're going to fail. And I'm praying for you still. That's amazing to me. And to think that God would do that with my spiritual goals even this year in 2020. That he's already gone before me. He's already been praying for me. That I would accomplish these goals. And he said, listen, I will never leave you. Never. Those kind of thoughts are the things that maybe should motivate me in accomplishing my goals. Did God go before them? Remember the story of Rahab, right? They're about to go spy out the land, and whoops, they go to a prostitute's house. Never know how that happened. But do you think that God wasn't working in Rahab's heart before they got there? That they just randomly went to this prostitute's house and she was willing to hide them. You don't think that was ordained by God? You don't think he went before them? Of course he did. He's already preparing the way for them to have success. He's already doing a work with Rahab. He's already doing a work with that whole family. And so the goals that you have set before, 
God's doing a work. He's preparing the people in front of you that you might have success. The interesting thing about this always to me is that God knew they were going to rebel. Look at verse 16 of this chapter. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the God of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I made with them. Oh, wow. So again, God is telling Moses, Hey, you're not going into this land. Make sure you assign Joshua to take the lead. But I have to tell you this too. They're going to rebel. They're going to forsake me. As much as I've done, as much as I've proven myself over and over and over again, they will fail. And not only will they not pursue after me, they will actually turn their hearts and go after other gods. It's not like they're just going to rebel. They're going to actually go after other gods. And yet, I promise I will never leave them. I will never leave them. Wow. How does this presence work? How does it encourage us? How do when we are about to enter into the battles of our own lives, does God's presence actually help us? Well, you see, the thing is, it's not just like he's just sitting there on the sideline going, hey, I'm here in case you need encouragement. Or, hey, I'm here, you know, just to let you know. You need a break later. Maybe I can do some things for you. It's the idea that God is already telling them, listen, I am here. I will never leave you, and you have got to be next to me when you go to fight. You have got to have an intimate relationship with me. You've got to be talking with me, conversing with me. That's why I'm saying I'm not going to leave, because you need me. How do I know this? Because when they go into fight later... It's really not that traditional, is it? Okay, so in other words, God says, listen, I'll never leave you. You're going into a land. You're going to fight. Joshua's coming. Okay, what's the first fight? Jericho. Great. How are we going to fight him? Let's walk around. Let's walk around seven times. I don't think any Israelite would have said that's the plan if they weren't communicating with God. That's how they're going to win their first major victory, is just walking around. Now, of all the goals that you have for yourself spiritually, this is where it gets funny. This is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And sometimes we get so regimented in what we are going to do to accomplish our goal that we don't include God in the conversation. What if God wants to do something a little interesting, like, hey, take a walk seven times, and then guess what? The goal's accomplished. I would love that for losing weight. The point is that we should be those who are mature enough and old enough in the faith to know that God typically does not do things typical. And yet all the time when we set up spiritual goals, we think typical. And what I have to do, what I can't do, and, and God's saying, listen, I'm never going to leave you, but you've got to understand, I'm right here. You can't do these fights without me. What if the goal is to just walk around? Because guess what? I've already gone before you. They're already afraid. Do you remember what Rahab said? We heard. We heard what your nation did and what your God did for you. 
and our hearts are melting. You go into this huge fortified city, and as an Israelite, you think, oh man, no chance, going to be a crazy war. And you have no idea that their enemy is sitting there trembling in their boots going, we've heard of this God. And now we're freaking out because all they're doing is walking. That was the reality. But it would take faith to see that. See, we get to read that on the page. But the Israelites didn't see that. Later on, they go to fight, a normal fight, and they lose. What happens now? Now God's going to address sin in the camp. Achan held back some of that stuff. You imagine what's like there. Hey, man, we didn't have to fight for Jericho. Now we're going to this, this, these little towns. We're going to wipe them out. Oh, my goodness, we're losing. Goal's not getting met. Well, God's saying, well, yeah, because guess what? There's sin in the camp. Not going to have a lot of success. They deal with that. The next time they fight, easy win. Easy win. So this whole idea of when we accomplish or set goals for ourselves, we should not be afraid that we're going to fail in them. We should take courage because he has said, I will never leave you. Turning your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Let's read, well, I do love all this whole thing, but let's read um, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 5 to me is a verse of my own um, personal reading that's just um, just been something I just, just want to just keep chewing on and kind of meditating on. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So sometimes I think there's this idea of setting goals in our Christian walk like the whole nation did to go into the land. You've got to fight for your goals and know that the Lord's with you. Then there's sometimes called transition. This is a huge transition in the nation of Israel. Moses, their leader, is out. And Joshua is coming in. He was the assistant to Moses. He was the assistant. And now he's going to lead. 
and what comforting words that have been recorded for all eternity that God would sit there and verbally say to Joshua, listen, the way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. What great affirmation, what that must have done for Joshua. Because I'm sure there were certain things that he dealt with as a man, like maybe they won't respect me like Moses. I mean, it seems like Moses got all this respect. I mean, the nation's pretty big, and what Moses says, we basically do. Will they listen to me and respect me like they did him? Which, by the way, Moses probably laughed and said, you think they respected me? <laughs> did you forget the rest of the chapters? <laughs> okay, they didn't respect me. But you can almost see as Joshua is now about to take the reign as the leader of this country, that he's going to sit there and be like, I just don't know if they'll follow me. And God is saying, listen, the way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. What if he's sitting there thinking, I can't do the things that Moses did? Remember, Moses touched the Red Sea and it split. He spoke to rocks and water came out. He did a few miracles. He got to go up on a mountain and and hear God one-on-one and came down where his face was shining. I mean, the guy has a nice resume. He has a nice resume. And Joshua might be sitting there going, listen, there's no way that stuff's going to happen with me. And God wants to sit there and say, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. What if I don't have the right heritage like he did? You know, Moses was brought up in the Egyptian palace. That's why it worked. Um, he got to talk to Pharaoh because he knew the system. He, he knew how all that worked. And then he, he got to go be a shepherd and learn how to be in the world. I mean, he's just, he's more prepared than I am. I'm just, I'm just the guy that came up in the wilderness. I don't, I don't have the background that he does. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I have always, um, thought it interesting that sometimes we think God has special plans for other peoples but not for ourselves. That somehow I would long to have the relationship that maybe Abraham had with God or that David had with God. Joshua, Moses. You can go on and on in your favorite Bible characters. Why can't I have the faith of a Billy Graham? You can Make it even more local. The people you look up to spiritually, the the preachers that you've heard, why can't I have a faith like that? God is constantly saying, as I was with them, so I am with you. In fact, one of the verses lately that have been really, I realized, I guess, in my own spiritual walk that I I don't believe the verse, and I'm I'm really trying to have God... (laughs) um, Work on it with me is the fact that says, God's word says, right? God shows no personal favoritism. He does not like Abraham more than you. Doesn't like Moses more than you. Doesn't like Joshua more than you. Doesn't like Billy Graham more than you. In fact, as he was with those people, he is with you. The exact same God. Now, When we look at that, God will not use the same methods to accomplish his will through all of us the same way, right? 
In other words, I think it's very interesting. It's just, again, it's just God being gracious and merciful. Joshua is sitting here going, uh, Moses, pretty big shoes to fill. Though one of the first miracles God allows Joshua to do is do what already happened to the Israelites, the parting of waters. So Moses sat there, and they were at their backs turned. Here comes the Pharaoh and all his army. It's the Red Sea. Moses hits the water. Everyone walks across dry ground. Pretty cool miracle. Seeing all your enemies killed, that's, that's pretty much hopefully life-changing. Gives Moses some credence, okay? Hopefully gives God credence more than anyone else. And now Joshua is sitting there, and they come to the Jordan River, and he's telling everyone, you get ready. Ark of the Covenant's coming. You follow it when it comes. Now, it's interesting to me that Joshua was not given a staff and that he wouldn't go out to the water and split it because he's different. And yet the results are the same. It says they walked across dry ground. God's ultimate goal is that he's glorified. There's numerous goals of God that we would all agree on, right? He wants everyone to get saved. Okay? He's willing to none should perish. He wants all of you to fall in love with him more and more. He wants all of us to put away sin. All those goals God has. And he will use each and every one of us to try to accomplish those goals. It might not be the same method, but the goal is the same. He wants people to look like him. That's why, again, our faith is so great. Is that even if we fail, one day we all look like him. <laughs> He's not going to lose. He's not going to lose. But don't sit here and think, as we try to have these spiritual goals, and sometimes we're like, man, I don't know. Like, if God put me in a certain position, I don't know if I can be like a Moses. I, I just, you know, God, I feel like God's almost tugging on my heart, but I'm not ready to get into those shoes. God is sitting there going, what? As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I will never leave you. Joshua, here's what you got to do. Okay? We're, we're just passing the torch. And listen, by the way, guys, we know this works, right? We're talking about people that lived thousands of years ago. The next generation of believers is coming. Right? God is going to pass the torch, whether we want to pass the torch or not. God's church will continue until he comes again. The, the torch is constantly being passed by God even if we're not on board with it. He's going to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. His very presence brings affirmation, which strengthens you to make you courageous. When he says, I'll never leave you, it's just affirmation. It's just affirmation. He goes, listen, come on. I don't, I don't show favoritism. Every single one of us in this room, God wants to just completely use to his glory. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to quote the verse, because I think sometimes I can hear a message like this and get all pumped. Be like, yeah, see, I can do the goals. I can read my Bible every day. I'm not going to fail. And He's with me, and 
Maybe I can step into some bigger shoes and, and God is with me and, and I understand now. Like, I don't have to be like those others because He's gonna have different methods and different ways for me. And, and yet, there's still the idea of are we content with the life He's given us? In Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 5, it says this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now it sounds cool. It sounds like a lot of, hey, the Lord is on my side. What can man do to me? But you got to look a little deeper. They're telling you, the God, God is saying through his word, be content with what you got, because he himself has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, this whole idea of him telling us again and again, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is that enough for you? Or is it just a chip that's added on to you accomplishing the goal? Like now I can do my agenda because God said he'll never leave me. It's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be, actually, no matter what happens, you're content because he said, I will never leave you. The ultimate goal is always intimacy with God. The ultimate goal of contentment in accomplishing all of your goals is always intimacy with God. The idea that you are satisfied with the fact that he said, I'm not going to leave you. And that's all you need. Very hard to actually live that one out. To be content can sometimes mean to be independent of external circumstances. Almost like you don't need anything. So in this context, we, it's almost like it's saying we don't really need anything but Jesus Christ. Now that sounds really nice. But that's very hard to do. Very hard to do. As we go about this year, there's a danger sometimes in being content without being content with the Lord Himself. In other words, even in our spiritual walks or in other things of life, if you had goals this year to be financially get out of debt, you had relationship goals, you want to get married, you had spiritual goals, You, like I said, read your Bible, pray, you had uh, weight goals, going to lose 30 pounds. Say you accomplish those things. You can actually accomplish those things and feel pretty good about your life and not be content with Jesus Christ. And even say things like, oh yeah, God's with me through the whole process, but you really don't care that he's with you, you just care that your goal is met. Is there a danger in being content with everything but Him? Yes. In fact, we see it over and over again. Uh, again, the, the story that we talk about so much, but it's just so relevant, is in Genesis where God says to Abraham, I am your shield, and I am your exceedingly great reward. And the first thing Abraham says is, yeah, but 
I don't have a kid. Okay, Abraham, just, just stop and think about that for a second. God said, I am your reward. I'm your shield. I'm verbally telling you. I'm everything you need. And, I mean, it seems like one second goes by and Abraham responds with, yeah, but I don't have a kid. And to most of us, guess what? Uh, it sounds like a pretty good argument. How can you fulfill your promise if I don't have a kid? Or, kind of lonely down here. I mean, yes, it's nice that you spoke to me now, but I would like a child. All those real human feelings come up, and yet Abraham is completely wrong. He's completely wrong to say that to God. Yeah, but I don't have a kid. And God in his grace is still going to give him one. We have to be careful that when we do accomplish goals, where our contentment lies. Because if it's anything outside of him, we've missed the mark. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Why can't I, you know, again, during these goals, you see someone losing weight, you just get so mad. I cannot believe they're losing weight. They must be doing something stupid to their body. Doing those dumb diets. You see someone reading their Bible, must be that like, they're, they're listening to it online. They're not even reading it. I mean, we just get crazy. We get crazy. And we compare and we get mad at other people and we get coveting. They're like, I, I, I want to be like that. I want to lose weight like them. I want to be financially secure like them. I want friends like that. I want, uh. And he's saying over and over in Scripture, be content because I, God, said, I will never leave you. I will be there for you. Every step of every day, I promise you, no matter what you do, I will not leave you. Is that enough for us? Is that enough for us? It's hard. The Christian walk is hard. Our faith can be difficult. It's so easy to say that's enough, but I'm telling you our lifestyles would say different. Our lifestyles would say different. I would encourage us today, again, that even if it's, it's hard for me to say, I know that it's true that he completely satisfies us and that we should absolutely be content with the fact that he has said, I'll never leave you. We're going to corporate prayer. I'm going to have Brother Joe close our time when it's appropriate, but let me, uh, let me start. Lord Jesus, thank you so much um, for never leaving us. Thank you so much that you have um, affirmed over and over that you're not going anywhere and that you are faithful to us. Oh, Lord, uh, even as treacherous as we can be, your anger would only be for a little. And your mercies are everlasting. And your love is everlasting. And you promise to be kind forever. Oh, Lord, even at our worst, when we were killing you on a cross, when we wanted to put to death God incarnate, you were so merciful and kind, saving us in the very thing where we were trying to kill you. Thank you so much that you have stuck by our side. Thank you so much that you will continue to do so. 
In your name, amen.